0: Chapter Thirteen of the Three Midshipmen This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Three Midshipmen by william henry giles kingston chapter thirteen to fight his friends poor jack rogers his lot was indeed a hard one we left him clinging to the keel of the schooner while she was carried on by the rapid current over the bar amidst the raging waters and the blinding foam Every moment he expected to be torn from his hold, but life was dear to him, and he exerted every particle of strength he possessed to hold on. Now a sea would come and wash over the vessel, almost drowning him, and completely preventing him from seeing. Then he felt that he was whirled round and round till he looked up, but it was only to see another huge breaker rolling up ready to overwhelm him. He felt the terrible dash of the wave, its roar sounded in his ears. He was almost stunned. He prayed that he might be preserved from the terrible danger to which he was exposed. The roller passed on, leaving him still firmly clutching the wreck. Again he looked up the blue sea danced cheerfully before his eyes the sun shone brightly the wreck had drifted clear of the influence of the breakers more grateful he felt at having been thus far preserved still he knew that he was not out of danger the schooner might at any moment go down and he might be left without a plank to rest on to the mercy of the ravenous sharks which swarmed around his first impulse was to look out for the brig she was in the offing standing away to the westward he had no hope from any help she could render him then he distanced from it he calculated the distance and thought to himself that he could swim on shore if he delayed the vessel might drift farther out to sea and the feat might be impossible the sooner it is done the better he thought to himself i have swum as far in a worse sea before now before slipping off into the water he commended himself with a hearty prayer to the care of a merciful providence he was on the very point of letting go his hold when as he looked into the water his eye fell on a dark triangular object just rising out of it slowly moving past he looked again with a shudder for he recognised the fin of another shark another and another passed by truly thankful did he feel that he had not trusted himself voluntarily within the power of their voracious jaws if the vessel sank though where would he be he could not help thinking of that he got up and gazed round he was beginning to feel very hungry and to his other dangers the risk of starvation was now added still he did not allow himself to despair he hoped that his old schoolfellows and hemming would soon recross the bar and seeing the wreck come and find him after a little time as he was casting his eye to the southward he thought he saw a dark object moving along close inshore just outside the surf he soon made out that it was a canoe and then that she was manned by blacks as they drew near it was evident that they saw him on the wreck for they at once pulled towards him he scarcely knew whether to hail them as friends or foes they were very ill-looking fellows he thought they were also two white men in the stern sheets of the canoe he did not like their looks at all either they were soon alongside and when they saw his uniform they looked up at him with no very friendly eye he hoped that his old schoolfellows and hemming would soon recross the bar and seeing the wreck come and find him after a little time as he was casting his eye to the southward he thought he saw a dark object moving along close in shore just outside the surf he soon made out that it was a canoe and then that she was manned by blacks as they drew near it was evident that they saw him on the wreck for they at once pulled towards him he scarcely knew whether to hail them as friends or foes they were very ill-looking fellows he thought they were also two white men in the stern sheets of the canoe he did not like their looks at all either they were soon alongside and when they saw his uniform they looked up at him with no very friendly eye having held a short parley amongst themselves they hailed him but what they said he could not make out dangerous as his present position was he felt no inclination to entrust himself to their care however they made signs to him to come down into the canoe and after a little reflection and thinking it better not to show any fear or mistrust of them he complied with their demands and as he slid down over the side of the vessel they caught him and hauled him in he saw them minutely examining the vessel and then they asked him a number of questions in spanish or a sort of mongrel spanish which he could not clearly comprehend and he thought it more prudent not to show that he understood them at all he made out however that the strangers were inquiring how the vessel was capsized and how he came to be on board her he guessed also that they knew that she was a slaver and had been captured by the party to which he had belonged when they found that he did not reply to their questions they let him sit down at the bottom of the canoe while the two whites and one of the black men talked together among themselves they every now and then cast glances ominous of evil intentions towards him poor jack did not at all like their looks still less the tenor of the few words whose meanings he caught knock him on the head at once said one throw him overboard and let the sharks have him proposed another shoot him with pistol quoted the big negro grinning horribly these words were uttered with the most cold-blooded indifference as if the act proposed by the speakers was one of everyday occurrence with them jack as he listened longed to make an effort to save his life anything was better than to sit there quietly and be murdered far rather would he die struggling bravely for existence still as the pirates did not make any further demonstration He thought it would be wiser to appear unconscious of their threats and remain where he was without moving. Jack, however, now and then looked over the gunwale of the canoe to ascertain where they were going. They quickly arrived off the bar, but the slave dealers or pirates or whatever they were seemed to think that there was too much surf to allow them to cross it they therefore pulled back a little way to the south jack observed the patch of sandy beach with a clear channel up to it between two rocks they waited for a short time and then the canoe mounting on the top of a roller was carried rapidly forward the foam hissing and bubbling around her till she grounded on the beach in a moment the crew jumping out of her ran her up out of the reach of the succeeding roller which roared angrily as if disappointed of its prey jack was going to walk on but he felt a hand laid heavily on his shoulder and his arms being seized by two of the black fellows were bound behind him and he found himself a prisoner on the coast of africa without the slightest prospect as far as he could see of making his escape from his ruffian captors poor jack was dragged along by his savage companions the muzzle of a pistol or the point of a long knife every now and then being shown him as a hint that he might keep up his spirits and move on this was no easy matter without stumbling for the ground was strewed with decayed timber while creepers and parasitical plants of numerous species formed traps to catch his feet he saw too the grass frequently moving as a hideous snake or some other reptile crept away among it overhead were birds of every variety and of the richest plumage parrots trumpet-birds pigeons wydots green parakeets and numberless others which he was in no humour just then to admire while monkeys of all sorts skipped about among the boughs of the lofty palms and chattered away as if to inquire where the stranger had come from in one or two openings between the giant palms bananas and other lofty trees jack caught sight of some blue ranges of mountains in the far distance and towards them as they pushed their way through the dense underwood his captor seemed to be proceeding the dreadful thought occurred to him that he was being carried off into the interior to be turned into a slave and perhaps that he should never be able to make his escape the jungle grew thicker and thicker and the forest more gloomy as they proceeded till he could scarcely work his way along and even the spaniards and blacks with their arms at liberty had no little difficulty in making progress through it at last they came to a standstill and a talk among themselves poor jack caught the very ominous words mata el chico which he knew too well meant killed the little chap he is not worth the trouble he costs us added a ferocious spaniard who had spoken this knife of mine will settle him with a blow it is a pity we did not do it in the canoe and save ourselves trouble growled out his companion drawing his long knife from his belt jack felt that his last moments had come he however eyed his captors boldly and tried to nerve himself for the expected stroke a short time before some villains of the same character as those into whose power he had fallen had murdered a young midshipman whom they had found on board a prize they had retaken and he knew that they would have no scruples about killing him the blacks stood by enjoying apparently his agony for brave as he was it was a bitter thing thus without cause to be cruelly murdered in cold blood no one spoke jack tried to offer up a prayer to heaven but at such a moment even to pray was difficult his heart though was praying and one who knows what it is in the heart heard him suddenly there was a rustling of leaves a crashing of boughs a loud shriek was uttered and a huge animal leaped through the brushwood and seizing one of the negroes again bounded off into the thicket the unfortunate wretch cried out piteously for help the spaniards and the negroes turned to pursue the wild beast from the glimpse jack had of it he believed it to be a tiger the negro who had been seized was the smallest of the party and of light weight and the savage brute was more accustomed to make his way through the tangled underwood than were his pursuers on he went bounding through the thicket his miserable victim in vain crying for assistance the rest pursued as fast as they could apparently forgetting jack altogether They were soon hid from his sight by the trees. He had no wish to follow them, even had he possessed the power of so doing. His arms were bound, and before he could do anything, he must contrive to get them loose. He tugged and tugged away frantically. He was afraid his captors would be back before he could get free and execute their murderous threats. By what means was he to escape? he could not just then tell the first thing was to obtain the use of his limbs he worked away for life and death at last he twisted the rope round so that he could reach one of the knots with his teeth he pulled away lustily he found that he was slackening it he listened for the shouts and cries of the pirates he thought that their voices sounded louder and nearer again he was every moment getting the ropes looser one more tug and his hands were at liberty he struck out on either side to assure himself that he had the free use of them he looked around no one was in sight his first impulse was to set off and run back to the coast but then he recollected that he might be easily pursued that it must be seven or eight miles off at least as three or four hours had passed since he and his captors had left it after a moment's reflection he determined to find his way as soon as possible to the banks of the river he was certain that the boats would be sent in to look for his party and by watching for them he hoped to be able to make some signal to call their attention to himself he still heard the voices of the pirates a tall palm-tree was near he thought that the safest place would be to get to the top of it he could easily hide himself among the wide-spreading leaves and the spaniards believing his arms were bound would never think of looking there for him he would also have the advantage of watching all that was going on below he had seen blacks climb a tree with a band partly round their stem and partly around their waists the rope he had just got clear of his arms would help him up in the same way he rapidly fitted it and with knees and hands working away up he went the smooth stem he had just got nearly to the top when he heard a chattering and looking up he saw a very ugly face grinning down upon him an ape had previous possession of his proposed stronghold he was not to be daunted however but swinging himself up on the bow prepared to do battle for its possession he had still the pistol in his belt though it was not loaded the pirates had forgotten to deprive him of it he held it by the muzzle and master quacko who seemed to be a very sensible monkey thought it would be foolish to pick a quarrel with so well-armed a stranger as jack advanced he retreated till jack reached the centre of the tree where he could coil himself away without the possibility of any one below discovering him he looked round before sitting down below him was a dense mass of foliage with only here and there an opening to the west in the far distance was the sea looking bright and blue to the east were ranges of mountains the most remote evidently of considerable elevation while to the north he caught a glimpse of the river to his great satisfaction not very far off he could still hear the voices of the pirates but he could not discover whether they had succeeded in rescuing the wretched negro from the fangs of the tiger meantime the monkey sat on the farther end of a branch watching him i hope you have formed a favourable opinion of me master quacko he said looking at the ape for even in the dangerous predicament in which he was placed he could not resist a joke quacko 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 went the monkey in a tone which jack thought was friendly he felt about in his pocket and found a piece of biscuit he nibbled a bit and then held it out to his companion the ape drew near at first, hesitantly. Jack nibbled a little more of the biscuit. Quacko thought it would be all gone if he did not make haste. So he made one or two more hops up towards Jack. Jack nibbled away, then once more held out the brisket. The monkey made one spring and nearly caught it, but Jack drew it back that the animal might feel that it was given to him then he held it out and the ape took it quite gently but ran off to the end of the bough that he might examine this new sort of food and eat it at his leisure the pirates had now found their way back to where they had left jack he could plainly hear them asking one another what could have become of him they were under the tree in which he lay so snugly ensconced he must have hid himself in the brushwood he cannot be far off said one if he had had his hands at liberty i should say he would have got up one of these trees observed another those english sailors can climb anything i have seen them go up the side of a slippery rock without a hole in which to stick their nails he cannot be up this tree remarked the first see there is a monkey quietly eating a nut on one of the branches there is no other tree near in which he could hide after this the men hunted about on every side and jack hoped that they would then go away he must still be near exclaimed one of them sancho do you climb that tree and look about you you will soon find out where he is by the shaking of the bushes as he moves along up man up jack knew by the voice which replied that one of the negroes was climbing up the monkey had finished his biscuit and liking it very much came back for some more not observing what was occurring below jack had won his confidence and by giving him a very little bit at a time kept the animal close to him up climbed the black jack knew that he could knock him down again with the butt end of his pistol but if he did he would only hasten his own destruction, as the others would quickly find means to get hold of him. He felt that the black was close under him. He caught the sight of his woolly pate working its way through the leaves. Now or never, thought Jack. He seized the unsuspecting ape and threw him down directly on the negro's head the monkey as much astonished as anybody laid hold of the woolly cropped with his claws and scratched and bit chattering away with all his might fetish 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 screamed out the negro sliding down at the tree a great deal faster than he had come up coming down the latter part of the run and reaching the ground more dead than alive while the monkey clambered up again and not daring to approach jack took his seat at the end of a bough chattering away in the greatest state of agitation jack laid snug he had hopes that none of the other blacks would attempt to climb the tree after the reception their companion had met with and from what he had heard them say he had great hopes that they really believed that they had seen a fetish the spaniards too though pretending to laugh at the superstition of the negroes having no religion of their own to supply its place were very strongly impressed with the black man's superstition and would on no account have attempted to climb up the tree jack therefore began to hope that he should escape from his intending murderers and he did not despair of ultimately getting back to his ship in a short time the spaniards and negroes uttering loud oaths at their ill luck in having lost one of their companions as well as their captive set off once more and jack watched them as they worked their way through the brushwood to the eastward he felt truly glad when they were no longer to be seen he was now also in a hurry to be off good-bye mr quacko said he turning to the monkey and making him a profound bow for jack was the pink of politeness i am very much obliged to you for the accommodation your tree has afforded me and for the assistance you have rendered me and if you will ever venture afloat i shall be very happy to see you on board our ship good-bye old fellow give us a paw he felt in a curiously excited state and ready to talk any nonsense quackle who thought he was to have some more biscuit came near but when he saw that there was none he hopped off again and chattered away louder than ever jack now descended in the same way that he had got up his first care was to cut a thick stick to serve as a weapon of defence for he thought to himself if the tigers about here are so bold as to carry off a black man they are just as likely to attack me he accordingly kept his eyes about him and steering as well as he could by the sun he pushed away towards the north he could not help expecting to see a tiger spring out towards him and every now and then he was startled by a snake crawling across his path while the cawing of the parrots and parakeets and the chattering of monkeys made him feel like one of those knights in fairy stories who have to traverse a forest haunted by evil spirits who do their utmost to turn him from his gallant purpose of rescuing a lovely princess from the enchanted castle in which he had been shut up jack however was not to be turned from his intention of getting down to the banks of the river he forgot that he would have to cross through a a mangrove swamp unless he could hit upon one of the few paths used by the negroes for the purpose of crossing it night was now rapidly approaching he saw that unless he would run a very great risk of serving as the supper of some hungry wild beast he must get up into a tree and pass it there he was getting very hungry also and he had but a few scraps of the biscuit he had shared with the monkey still as long as there was daylight he was anxious to push on for he was sure that the boats would be sent in to look for him the first thing in the morning and he wanted to be near the river to signalize to them so he pushed on beating down the bushes with his thick stick many a snake lizard and other creeping or crawling things hissed or croaked at him as he passed at last he saw before him an open space ah now at all events i shall be able to push on rapidly he thought to himself so he did and went on some way when on a sudden he found himself in front of a paling with some grotesque-looking figures carved in wood grinning above it, and within it a bamboo-leaf-covered hut, before which stood a remarkably big ugly-looking blackamoor. Jack looked at him, and he looked at Jack, and uttered some words which clearly were meant to express, "'Hello, youngster, where are you hurrying to?' jack followed a very natural impulse which was to run as fast as he could under other circumstances this might have been a wise proceeding for he certainly could run faster than the black man who was not only big but fat he had scarcely begun to run when a piece of painted wood came whizzing through the air after him which would certainly have knocked him down had it hit him he dodged it however but the next moment he heard the gruff voice of the black hounding on a dog and when he turned his head he saw a huge spanish bloodhound leaping over the paling followed by the negro to attempt to escape was now hopeless so he ran forward flourishing his stick in the hope of keeping the dog at bay when the negro saw he was coming back he called the hound off him for why you run so exclaimed the negro who saw that he was an englishman for the same reason that a pig does because i was in a hurry answered jack who saw that his best course was to put a good face on the matter ah you funny young ossifer you laugh much observed the negro yes it runs in the family we are addicted to laughing replied jack with perfect coolness and now old gentleman i am very sharp set and as i doubt not that you have plenty of provender in your house i shall be much obliged to you for some supper the negro evidently could not make out what jack was about and seemed to have an idea that he had run away from his ship jack was not sorry to encourage this the black was evidently balancing in his mind whether he should make most by giving him up and claiming a reward or helping him to hide and then getting possession of any wealth he might have about him he in the most friendly way led jack into his house it was very neatly built of bamboo of considerable size oblong in shape and divided into four or five rooms in one was a table with some chairs and the negro having given some orders in a loud voice to several ebon-hued damsels who appeared at the door in a short time several dishes of meat and grain were placed on it come you eat said the host jack stuck his fork into the meat it was not a hare or a rabbit or a pig or a kid he could not help thinking of his friend quacko as he turned it over and over however he was very hungry and he thought he would taste a bit it was very tender and nice so he resolved that he would not ask questions but go on eating till his appetite was satisfied there was a sort of porringer of farina and some cakes of the same substance he ate away and felt much more satisfied than at first with the state of affairs his host informed him that he was a grand pilot of the river and showed him a variety of certificates which he had received to prove the fact from the masters of english american spanish portuguese and french traders some praised him but others remarked that he was one of the greatest rascals unhung and that he would cheat and rob wherever he had the opportunity and tell any falsehood to suit his purpose a nice sort of gentleman thought jack but he did not express his opinions and tried to make himself as comfortable as he could the negro placed wine and spirits before him but he partook sparingly of them you say i'm a good man observed his host go off to fight ship tell much ah ah and he winked and nodded and turned his eyes about in a curious way jack concluded that he proposed going off to the ship and would give some information about the slavers and that he wanted him to vouch for his character all right answered jack you come on board we shall be very happy to see you and bring your book of certificates remember that considering the small vocabulary possessed by the negro he managed to carry on a good deal of conversation with his guest at last he made a sign that it was time to go to bed and pointing to a bundle of mats he told him to lie down and that no harm would come to him jack did as he was bid and having a good conscience and a good digestion was very soon asleep the household was astir by an early hour when jack opened his eyes he saw that two or three strangers were in the room they looked at him askance with no friendly glance his host soon after entered and it was very evident that a change had come over the man's feelings towards him jack however got up and shaking himself tried to look as unconcerned as possible the bloodhound also which had been very good friends with him the previous evening walked in and stalked snuffing and growling round and round him jack did not like the look of affairs some food at last was brought in for breakfast baked yams fried fish farina and other delicacies of which his host invited him to partake but was evidently inclined to treat him with very little ceremony when the meal was over jack intimated that he should like to begin his journey to get on board his ship the negro laughed and said something to the other men you no go dere now you go with dese." jack's countenance fell the other blackamoors grinned and without ceremony took him by the shoulder to lead him off the midshipman's impulse was to resist and he began to lay about him with his stick which he snatched up from a corner but the blacks threw themselves upon him while the horrid bloodhound sprang at his legs and in an instant he was overpowered and his hands once more bound behind him jack thought that before he was carried off he would try and induce the big negro to help him so he exclaimed i say friend pilot perhaps you can't help this so just let them know on board ship where i am and you will be well rewarded he saw the negro grin but before he could get an answer he was hurried off by his new masters They conducted him along ground very similar to that which he had passed the previous day. Now and then he saw fields of Indian corn and small patches cultivated with other grains, but otherwise the country was covered mostly with a dense jungle, very narrow paths only being cut through it after travelling five or six miles they reached the river and having dragged a canoe from among the bushes on the bank all the party got into it and paddled away up the stream the cords were by this time really hurting jack's arms and he made all the signs that he could think of to induce the negroes to remove them to his great satisfaction after talking together one of them got up and slackened the knots, so that he could throw the rope off. He expressed his thanks to the negro and placed it gently by his side. Scarcely had he done so when his eye fell on a piece of board floating by. He stretched out his hand and got hold of it. That instant, the idea flashed into his mind that this board might enable him to communicate with his shipmates it very soon dried and then as if to amuse himself he took out his knife and began cutting away at it if he could carve but a few words they might be sufficient to signify where he had gone he carved in no very regular characters a prisoner up south branch jack r as soon as he had done this pretending to be tired of the amusement he threw the board into the stream and watched it floating down towards the sea it is a hundred to one whether it is picked up he said to himself with a sigh i'll double the chances though so he looked out for another board or piece of stick and having before long got one carved that in the same way the blacks did not seem to suspect his object and allowed him to continue the operation after paddling about an hour they ran up a small creek with black mud-banks and when they had drawn the canoe on shore jack found himself standing before a strong stockade or fort with a deep ditch around it there was no gate on the side turned towards the river but going round some way they arrived at the entrance over a rough drawbridge the negroes talked a few minutes together and then led jack in the object for which the fort was used was very clear in the centre stood a large barracoon full of slaves this barracoon was a shed built of heavy piles driven down into the earth lashed together with bamboo and thatched with palm leaves jack as he passed looked in sad was the spectacle which met his sight the negroes who had charge of jack did not appear to have found the person of whom they were in search for after waiting some time they led him again out of the fort and took the road up a hill away from the river after walking some way they reached a village or town it was surrounded by a bamboo fence they entered by the narrow gateway at the end of the street the houses or rather huts were all joined together forming one long shed of uniform height on each side of the road each habitation had a small low door which alone showed the number of separate dwellings in a row the sides were composed of broad strips of bark and bamboo leaves served for the thatch here and there were larger houses built of bamboo with raised floors marking the residences of chief men. At last they had reached a house nearly a hundred feet in length, and having ascended some steps, Jack found himself ushered into the presence of a burly negro who was sitting in oriental style on a pile of mats smoking a pipe. He had on a cocked hat and a green uniform coat covered with gold lace wide seaman's trousers and yellow slippers a striped shirt and a red sash around his waist from his air he evidently considered himself a very important personage and jack did not doubt that he was in the presence of some indian potentate round the room were several mirrors in gilt frames and on a table stood a large silver bowl while there was a couple of chairs and a sofa covered with damask or silk the king for so he called himself looked at jack sternly and said for what you come to my country eh jack answered that he had been brought there against his will and that he had no intention of coming but his majesty seemed to doubt him and asked him a number of questions to elicit the truth at length however he seemed satisfied jack was in hopes that he had made a favourable impression and as he was getting hungry he intimated that he should like some dinner the king seemed pleased at the request and ordered it to be brought into the room it was a very good repast and jack was getting very happy and hoping that there would be no great difficulty in making his escape when the aspect of affairs was once more changed by the appearance of the two Spaniards who had picked him off the wreck of the slaver. They looked very fierce and made threatening gestures at him and abused him to the king for running away from them. And he discovered that they knew all about the expedition of the archers' boats up the river and the capture of the schooner he however went on eating his dinner and tried to look unconcerned about the matter this enraged them still more what they might have done he could not tell but suddenly a man rushed into the room and gave some piece of information which seemed to put them all into a state of great agitation they seized upon jack and dragged him off and they had a number of other people headed by the king rush down the bill towards the fort from the few words dropped which jack could comprehend he understood that they expected an attack to be made on it for the purpose of rescuing the slaves and that they were resolved to defend it to the last he found himself dragged along till he was carried into the fort with the crowd he was then shown a gun and it was intimated to him that if he did not do his best to fight he should forthwith have his brains blown out-a dreadful alternative but from which he could discover not the slightest prospect of escaping chapter